Hello and welcome into the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson. Sorry for the uh, late one day show, but on Monday, when I normally record the show that goes up Tuesday, I had to go uh, take my car to the shop, get the oil changed, and that <laughs> threw off my entire day. I ended up going to the gym later. Like, it, it messed with everything. So I'm recording a day late. But. There is still plenty to talk about. We got some NFL news that we will get to at the very end of the show. But Overwatch, COD League, LCS, like there is stuff to talk about. And we're just going to jump straight in with the Overwatch League. And my God, this one hurt. (laughs) I have made it not a secret, like... I'm very open about the fact that I do have loyalties in the Overwatch League. Like it's, I am not an unbiased viewer like I am with with COD League because I don't really necessarily have a COD League team yet because I assume they're going to expand in the next couple of years and Philly's more than likely to get one. So I didn't want to jump on anyone's bandwagon and just have to switch in a couple of years. That is different... In the Overwatch League, I have had a team from the very beginning. And they have done this to me a few times now. But this one probably hurt the worst. Because they were so close. (laughs) They probably should have won Rialto. Like, they, they should have won Rialto. They were right there. They they should have won Rialto. And EQO went absolutely nuts right on point A. And I thought, like, that was it. Paris is going to tilt off the face of the earth and Fusion are just going to steamroll. That did not happen. They, they didn't have them at it a second time. They let Exe get behind them on the flank and one of the best McCree players in the world. He's just going to, with that kind of angle on that map, he's just going to light you up. If you don't know he's there, you're screwed. And by the time you do know he's there, it's already too late because he's, he's probably taking a good chunk out of your tanks and he's going for your supports. (laughs) One of them's probably already down. So that one, that one, hurt big time like that was that was painful and you could see when it cut to the cameras and you could see the fusion players the ones who had cameras turned on which was most of them like you could see that that one really hurt (laughs) that one really 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 hurt them because I mean, grand season one grand finals, season two stage two playoffs, the May Melee semifinals, and now the Summer Showdown finals. They have broken the hearts of their fans so many times. And hopefully this is the last one, because we got one more regional tournament, and then we have playoffs. Hopefully this is the last time we get that kind of insane heartbreak. Because 
I mean, it would be incredibly Philadelphian of them to do either one. So, I have no clue what what is in store for them for the rest of the season. Like, no clue at all. And Katie G, the head coach of the Philadelphia Fusion, who is Korean, so I'm guessing English is not his first language just based on this tweet, but the exact... The exact words, uh, sorry, Philly, my bad. We will improve and getting strong. I assume we meant get strong. Uh, we don't want second anymore. We will never lose again. <laughs> I don't know if he actually intends to deliver on that promise, but the fact that he's confident enough in that promise <laughs> to the fact that when I first saw the tweet, I believed him. <laughs> like the fir- When that tweet first scrolled across my timeline... I believed those words. And that says that could be uh that could be me just being a, a biased fan and wanting them to to win and do well and finish the season as as champions. But when I see a tweet like that second language or non-native English speaker mistakes aside, like I believe those words and I'm very excited to see what the fusion are going to do the rest of the way, because I think only one week's worth of schedule has been announced. Yeah, because they're off next week. Oh no, all three, uh, all three weeks of qualifying have, been announced. So what's what's next for the fusion? Uh they they have nothing next week. They're just they're just off. And uh, week 25 they have the Gladiators in Toronto and then in week 26 they have Dallas and the Valiant. That's that's a relatively easy schedule for their next their next four games. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do over the course of that. But the promise of we'll never lose again is just insane to me. And the fact that I actually believed it is is nuts. And the fact that this team that is comprised mostly of Koreans and scattered Europeans, most of them British and then a couple couple French and like a French guy. <laughs> like that's the composition of the team. You got a bunch of Koreans, three Brits, a Colombian and a French guy. So definitely, definitely an interesting team composition, but the fact that that team is so incredibly Philadelphia, despite not a single one of them even being American is kind of amazing to me. Like, there are Philadelphia natives in the Overwatch League. <laughs> and the team from Philly with no Americans on it feels the most Philly. Because the teams with the teams with Philly natives don't play like like Philadelphians. Like 
And if you put all the Philadelphians on one roster, good God, you'd have a pretty stacked team. (laughs) But yeah, this one, this one was a heartbreaker. Like that sucked so much to watch. Like all credit to Paris. Like that was absolutely insane. Starting in knockouts, they were the only higher seed to win their knockout game. I mean, sure, it was it was 8-9, so it's not like they were that much higher. Like, every other lower seed won their knockouts. The Justice, the Outlaws, the Valiant, they all won their knockout games. So we got we got more than a few upsets in this thing because heck Paris beat the Shock and the Fusion to win the Summer Showdown which is absolutely insane because I always thought of Paris as kind of an upper second tier team not a top contender and I think this meta really helped them I think because Sparkle is a freak on Genji and Genji is so broken right now his blade recharges so fast. It takes a single fight for a good Genji to get alt charge. Like, a bad Genji could get alt charge super quickly. Sparkle and EQO are two of the best Genjis in the world. So they're getting alt charge, like, off of half an engagement because they're so good at just spamming their shurikens and getting and getting high damage off. Like they're both freakish Genjis. And Genji is incredibly overpowered right now. I mean, I'll be honest. Genji's insanely overpowered and it's mildly annoying. But you know what the alternative is? Goats and May. <laughs> like the alternative is goats. I don't want to go back to that. Or as close as you can get to goats in in roll lock. Which is basically just like playing all of the... Uh, playing four of the goats heroes. Playing what, like Brig and, Brig and, uh, and Lucio. Or Brig and Moira. With like Reinhardt and Zarya. Or Reinhardt and Orissa. And then playing Mae McCree. On DPS. Like, that is as close as you can get to goats in in the current version of Overwatch where roll lock is, in fact, a thing. But I'd much rather have crazy Genji dives than, than even that. Because, let's be honest, crazy Genji dives and Widow Flicks and Tracer and everything else we got during the Summer Showdown is way more fun than uh, than Ice Cowboy Spam and Double Shield. I mean, there was a lot of Double Shield, but Bunker and May McCree and Brig Shield Bashing. Like, let's be honest with ourselves here. Genji being broken is annoying, but it leads to way more exciting matches from a uh, from a spectator's perspective. Because, let's be honest, 
He may be annoying to play against, but Genji's fun to watch. The reason Genji is annoying is because a lot of people who play Genji in just the retail version of the game aren't very good at playing Genji. They just think they are. That's why Genji's annoying in ranked play and solo queue and all that other stuff, because people who play Genji in ranked, for the most part, aren't very good at him. And they overextend and they die. Good Genjis, like EQO and Sparkle, lead to insane, ridiculous plays like both of them made over the course of this entire tournament. And I don't know why the Fusion are so bad at control maps. I would love to know why the Fusion are so bad at control maps and why they're so bad at Gibraltar. And I don't know what the heck that comp was on Gibraltar against Paris. Like, my God. You knew it wouldn't work. You know Anna's better for Gibraltar, yet you don't sub out Boombox and you have him play Baptiste. Funny Astro and Alarm are a really good support duo. Just have them play support on Gibraltar. If you know Paris is probably going to pick Gibraltar, why didn't you put Funny Astro in? Because last time I checked, he's a ridiculously good Ana player. Boombox isn't. He's a Zenyatta and he's a Baptiste guy. Which, he's very good at both of them. But they should have brought Funny Astro in to play, play Ana. That could have turned the series. And if they got, you know, better at control maps. Because the Fusion, for some reason, their entire existence have been god-awful at control maps. Especially Ilios. Like, they are terrible on Ilios. I don't know why. That's, that's honestly one of my favorite maps in the game. I mean, I'm nowhere near the level they are, but... Ilios is a great map. I don't know why they, they in particular, are so terrible at it. Especially when you have guys who are good at getting, at getting environmental kills. Because there's a lot of places to get environmental kills on Ilios. Like, there's so many holes and cliffs to knock people in or off of. Like, that's fun. <laughs> But overall, as a member of the quote-unquote media, an unbiased, giant air quotes around that one, member of the quote-unquote media, that was a really fun tournament. That tournament was ridiculously fun. We had upsets. The final went to seven. Like, you couldn't ask for much more. And as a fan, I'm heartbroken, and I can't believe they did this to me again. And I really don't want them to do it to me again in the the last regional tournament or the playoffs. And I really, really hope they don't because, my God, I can't take that again. But I'm I'm curious to see where the league goes next from here. As far as I know, they haven't announced the playoffs are going to be online. I think they want to avoid that because... That ping would be unplayable. I think they have to find a way to uh, get the Asian teams back to the U.S. 
even if they have to do, even if they have to bring them back early and do like the whole two week quarantine thing, like even if you play online, which I think they might end up doing, they have to find a way to get to the, get the Asian teams back to the U S I don't know necessarily how, because a lot of the Asian teams are owned by Asian orgs. So they might not have facilities in California or anywhere in the U S but they would, they would have to figure something out. And hopefully they would. I, I think they'd be able to figure something out eventually. Maybe they still have the team houses in L.A. You know, I would think they would want to keep the team houses in L.A. Because, I mean, they're going to be playing in California on occasion when we can do land, whenever we can do lands again. Like, these teams are going to have to travel to California. pretty often so hopefully they have some kind of facility there to work with that they can that they can play out of because a team on the east coast of the US playing a team from California in a playoff series would be or not a team from California a team in China or Korea in a playoff series you know how much of a disaster that would be in terms of ping and connection? So even if they do play online, I hope they find a way to get the Asian teams to the U.S. so you can have something resembling a real playoff. But that that is a decision for, for further down the road. I think they still have time to make that decision. We'll get into COD League making that decision in a little bit. But they Overwatch League still has time to make that. Because really, they can they can delay the end of the season as long as they need to, if they really have to. They can't delay it too long. Because, I mean, there's no BlizzCon this year. You don't have Overwatch World Cup to worry about. So you can delay the end of the season as long as you need to, if you need to, if you need more time to get the Asian teams back to the U.S. So hopefully they figure something out, but that's that's a conversation for probably a couple weeks from now. But that's what I've got for the heartbreak, at least from my perspective, that was the end of the summer showdown. We'll get into the LCS up next here on the mashup. All right, we finished up Overwatch League. Time for some LCS action, and yeah, I think this is the first time in summer split where we have kind of a clear picture of what's going on and we all knew cloud nine gonna be dominant they're just playing with their food now it's it's not even fair like what they did to clg and dignitas this weekend was just gross it was it was painful to watch two professional teams have that much of a skill gap between the two of them (laughs) But Liquid and TSM are, as of right now, the next two best teams in North America. Because, I mean, TSM had an easier schedule than, say, FlyQuest. But I think think Evil Geniuses have slid down in my mind now that they lost to FlyQuest because they were on about the same level. FlyQuest lost to Liquid in what was a pretty good game. 
where liquid just ended up being a tiny bit better. And then, good lord. Immortals and liquid. What a disaster. A beautiful, beautiful disaster of a game. How often do you get base races in the regular season? Last time I checked, not very often. And and Liquid just barely got it. I really thought Immortals were going to win that. It was like, okay, you guys are legit. I still think they're legit. They have significantly improved after those roster changes that were very, very necessary. They definitely needed to do that. And I'm glad they did. Because, I mean, they couldn't keep being that bad. <laughs> they, uh, that's, that's Dignitas's job, who are clearly just the bottom feeders of the LCS Summer Split 2020. But I clowned on TSM and Team Liquid at the, uh, well, more so Liquid at the end of last split, TSM at the beginning of this one. But they have, uh, they have proven me wrong. I think neither of them are as good as Cloud9. But they are legitimately good teams. Now, neither of them have... I don't think... I think um, I think TSM may have played Cloud9. No, Liquid's played Cloud9. TSM has not yet, as far as I know. No, it doesn't look like they have. Oh, that's February. I'm back way too far. I don't think Cloud9 has played TSM yet. No, they haven't. Cloud9 has not played TSM yet. So that'll be the ultimate judge. It's how much of a fight do you put up against Cloud9? Because let's be honest, they're not going to win. Cloud9 is not going to lose at all this split. That's just, that's just a fact. Like they're going undefeated in the summer split. I don't see them losing to anyone. And unless they're just like, they get really unlucky or they've already locked up the number one seed for playoffs. And they're just like, eh, screw it. Which I honestly don't see that second one happening because even after they had the one seed locked up, they were still just rolling through teams. So I think, if they lose, it's going to be the result of some really bad RNG and them just getting incredibly unlucky. Or having a bad game or a misplay at like the worst possible time that ends up swinging momentum and they lose. But I don't see them losing in any way that isn't considered generally a fluke. Because they're just that much better than everyone else. Like I thought CLG was pretty good. I still think they're pretty good. They're not amazing by any stretch of the imagination, but they got stomped. And then, don't even get me started on what they did to Dignitas. That was... That was ugly. That was real ugly. And TSM, I mean, sure, CLG kind of threw a little bit. They maybe shouldn't have lost that game, but bad teams aren't able to capitalize on mistakes that way. So, I think TSM is legit, despite 
the many, many problems with the organization itself, the team is good. Same with their Valorant team. Their Valorant team is the best in the world, but the org's a dumpster fire. So, esports kind of have this weird way of the org can be a disaster, but the team might actually be good that traditional sports generally don't have. He's like, the next front office is a mess. And they suck. You you don't really have... I mean, the closest traditional sports analog I can think of is the Texans, where, like, yeah, Bill O'Brien's a complete idiot, but, hey, they have Deshaun Watson, and he makes them a lot better because he's that ridiculously good. I don't know what this year is going to look like for them without DeAndre Hopkins, but... Like maybe they'll start to slip a little bit and look more like a team that has a bad organization. That doesn't seem to happen as much in esports. I mean, by all accounts, the Washington Justice are a mess, and that team sucks. The Boston Uprising are a disaster of an organization, and they're terrible. So maybe there is a little bit of organizational screw-ups. But... TSM are kind of a, a legacy org, so maybe maybe it's different. Like we're still trying to figure out. I think the scene as a whole is trying to figure out like how much an org actually impacts the in-game play of their teams. It may not be as much as in traditional sports if uh, if TSM is any indication, because that place is a mess. And their their Valorant team, like I said, is, as of right now, the best team in the world. Their league team, not even close. But they are at least one of the better teams in their region right now. And really, they should be because TSM are a legacy North American org. It's better when they're good. It's much, much better when they're good. And I'm I'm definitely interested to see what uh, what we're gonna get the rest of the way because next weekend schedule Cloud Nine does play TSM. And that's that's one of the Saturday games for uh, for this coming week. So uh, if they can. I don't think they're going to win. It depends on how much of a fight they put up. If they put up any kind of fight, we'll know they're for real. We'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see this Saturday what we're going to get. But I've I've lost faith in EG a little bit just because like they got beat Pretty convincingly by FlyQuest. Immortals, they're on the upswing. They just got really unlucky. I think uh, they will definitely get a pretty convincing win against Dignitas on Friday. And then they also have TSM on Sunday. That's their schedule for next weekend. So uh, that's that's a big weekend for them too. It's a big weekend for TSM. It's a big weekend for Immortals. 
we'll obviously get in deeper in on the uh, the previews on Friday. But I thought it was a a very good weekend for the LCS. You got some ridiculous finishes, which is a good thing. Like the LCS needs all the hype it can get because let's be honest, it's the worst of the big four regions. So getting good games and having some semblance of parity is a good thing for your region to have. But that's all I got for the LCS. We'll uh, get into do some Call of Duty stuff up next, both COD League and the game itself. Uh, COD League made a decision and Infinity Ward made a decision. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of either one, but uh, I definitely have more problems with one than I do the other. We'll get into that up next here on the mashup. All right, so Call of Duty time. We'll get into the league decision first because... I'm not as mad about that one. I kind of knew it was coming. The playoffs are going to be online. Now, that sucks. That 100% sucks. I'd much rather the playoffs be on LAN, even if they had to do, like, a bubble thing where they don't let spectators in. Like, I'd prefer you do it on LAN. But, since all 12 teams qualify, and I'm not sure if... The Royal Ravens and Legion are in England and France or in the U.S. I would assume they were in the U.S. That's what I always thought because they were playing online with no real issue. And like the Paris home series was still played on Eastern time because the London home series that actually happened in London was played on London time, (laughs) which made the East Coaster like me very miserable. But the Paris home series was played, like, on East Coast time. It was very East Coast friendly. So I thought all 12 teams were just in the U.S. That, that's what I was under the impression of. And I thought, they'd, I thought they'd maybe find a way to do it on land, even if they didn't let anybody else in. But that is not the case. And I'm kind of sad And I'd like to congratulate the Florida Mutineers on becoming inaugural COD League champions. Because let's be honest, they're a team that is better online than they are on LAN. That has been their criticism since the beginning, since teams were formed and they started doing scrims. Like, it was like, Florida is only good online. They're going to suck on LAN. That turned out to be not true because they were also pretty good on LAN. But since they switched to online, they've won three home series now. And then the third one, they kicked the crap out of Atlanta phase. So, online is good for them. So, I just want to congratulate your 2020 Call of Duty League champions, the Florida Mutineers. Now, if I get cold taked on that, I don't care. But I really think it's going to be them now. Just because their performance has been insane lately and online definitely favors them. I mean, sure. Paris, not Paris, Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas all have a very good chance to win it too. It's between the four of them in my mind with uh, Minnesota and London both right there but just on the outside. Like, 
I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if it was either of the two of them, but they wouldn't be my first pick either. Like, my top four is my top four, and it's been that way for a couple months now, really. Like, for a couple months now, they've been my top four. Ever since Minnesota slipped a little bit and Florida just skyrocketed. Like, originally, Minnesota was my four. Them and uh, them and Florida have uh, flopped places now. Florida is uh, Florida's actually my number two, really. It's Atlanta, Florida, Chicago. Like, I can't pick in that top four. All four of those teams are all ridiculously good. Like, on paper, Florida is the worst one, but they have three home series championships. So, uh, what does that say about how good all four of them are? It's going to be one of the four of them, but right now, with that announcement of online, I really think it's going to be Florida. Like, So, uh, congratulations on your inaugural championship, guys. I mean, Ogre 2 is kind of a genius, so him being GM doesn't really surprise me that, oh yeah, they won championships with this guy. Dude is, a, dude is an OG. I know he comes from Halo, but, I mean, he knows what's up. So, yeah, I'm I'm right now saying Florida Mutineers are going to win the whole thing. Those Even if they're online, those playoffs are still going to be nuts. Like, even with the online switch, all of the home series have been really good. Because even when you get domination, it is storyline-driven domination with... Chicago bouncing back after they signed Prestini, like, and they just rolled to that home series win. So, like, we've gotten good stuff out of every home series, even after the online switch. Like, sure, crowds would have made that a million times better. And the results may have been different. But, like, 2020 COD League has actually been pretty good. So, I'm not super surprised that they switched the playoffs to online. I'm not super happy about it, though. I'm definitely not super happy about that being the case. But they got to do what they got to do. Infinity Ward had zero right to make a decision this stupid. Like, they had no reason to make a decision this incredibly stupid. Rumors came out that High Rise was going to come back. Which, great. I love High Rise. High Rise was an awesome map. Anyone who played Modern Warfare 2 will tell you that. I mean, you got grenade launchers spammed like crazy on that map. But it was still fun. Like, you could get some really good sniping on that map, too. And, I mean, killstreaks would light you up if you were anywhere outside of the two main buildings. Like, it was a... It was a fun and relatively balanced map, especially in Modern Warfare 2, where um, the map design was really good pretty much across the board. Like, every map in Modern Warfare 2 was really good. Some were better than others, but most of those maps were really good. And High Rise was, uh, High Rise was no exception. But the rumors started swirling that, hey, High Rise is going to be one of the expansion maps. And people got, understandably, very excited. It turns out, High Rise isn't going to be in Modern Warfare 2019. 
going to be in Call of Duty Mobile. Anyone play Call of Duty Mobile? Because I don't. Why would anyone ever want to play an FPS like Call of Duty on their phones? That sounds terrible. And I mean, the only thing I ever hear about Call of Duty is the commercials that play during Overwatch League and COD League games, which I honestly think are really annoying. Like, hey, Brian. Brian, you hear what I'm doing right now? I know you know what it is. You can hear it. Like, that one's okay. The guy, like, actually putting a, a tea bag in a mug and just dipping and taking it out. And it does that little, like, crossfade into someone teabagging in-game. Like, that one's okay. But I've seen that commercial basically every weekend for the past six months. <laughs> Getting a little tired of it. <laughs> or the kid in the dentist chair. That one is awful. That one's, that one's absolutely terrible. And then the other COD mobile one is pretty unoffensive. It's just kind of boring. That's the only thing I know about COD mobile. I have never played it. I have zero intention of playing it because I don't want to play Call of Duty on my phone because that doesn't sound like fun at all. But you're putting high-rise in the freaking mobile game that basically no one plays. That, uh, if it's like any other mobile game, is loaded with microtransactions. Like, there's microtransactions in, in Modern Warfare 2019, sure. But the Battle Pass is generally pretty good. And stuff you get in the store, for the most part, at least most of the stuff that people buy, is generally pretty good. Like, I bought the Freedom Tracer pack. That was... I consider that a wor worthwhile purchase. I don't have the 4th of July pack, but I want it. I would consider that a worthwhile purchase too, because that incredibly American D-Day skin is just amazing. Where he's got the, the American flag cargo shorts, like that's that's gold. That's a great skin. <laughs> and uh, they don't have tracers, but the, the really American SMG, like gold. Like that that's a great DLC pack. Or some of the other extra operators. Iskra, Rose, heck, freaking Gaz. Like, I'm... Ronin's pretty cool. Like, I'm fine with all of that. And I'm obviously fine with the Battle Pass because I've gotten it every season so far. <laughs> but COD Mobile does not get that same benefit of the doubt in my mind because it is a mobile game published by Activision. <laughs> They don't need any more of my money. They've taken enough of it over the years. I'm not giving them money for a mobile version of a game that is very much, in my mind, meant to be played on a controller and a pretty big screen. Why the hell is High Rise going to be in the mobile version? All you had to do was put it in Modern Warfare 2019 and people would be ridiculously happy. That's an old school map that people probably wouldn't play like they played Modern Warfare 2019 at all. They'd probably play it like they played Modern Warfare 2. And heck, while you're at it, put Terminal in multiplayer. Like that Warzone trailer you teased 
where you made us think it was actually going to be Terminal in the Warzone map. No, it's it's close. It looks like Terminal, but that ain't Terminal. Just give us Terminal and High Rise, please. Those are two of my favorite maps in Modern Warfare 2, along with Quarry and Favela. Like, those are four of my favorite Call of Duty maps of all time. And then, uh, along with Jungle and uh, Practice Range. But those are from Black Ops. Maybe we'll get them in uh, in COD 2020. I hope we do, because those were really fun maps. But, why Infinity Ward? Just, just why? You don't put one of the most popular maps you have ever made in... Modern Warfare 2019. You put it in the freaking mobile game. What is wrong with you? Are you dumb or do you just hate us? Because it's one or the other. It has to be one or the other. So, uh, that's that's my rant on that. Like, Just put it in the game, guys. It's one of your best maps you've ever made. People will love you for it. Put it in Modern Warfare. That's that's what I got for Call of Duty. We'll uh, wrap it up with uh, Patrick Mahomes' absolutely insane contract. Up next, here on the mashup. Alright, as we kind of slowly get back to normal and uh, sports trickle back into our lives, there's two NFL stories. One is not a surprise at all. At least that this kind of thing happened, but the amount. And then the other one is just absolutely insane. I'll get into the insane one first because it's just so ridiculous. I felt the need to talk about it. So today, Deshaun Jackson may or may not have outed himself as anti-Semitic. Which, um, okay. <laughs> That's a, uh, that is one I didn't expect from, uh, Deshaun Jackson. I know there's always some kind of weird story about him out there, but this is definitely a new one. And despite the fact that anyone who knows anything about history that this particular quote he shared would never come from the man it is attributed to. Attributing quotes to that man in a positive light, in any way, basically, is not a great look. I'm dancing around it, but... Deshaun Jackson posted a picture to his Instagram. It was a picture of a he took of a book he was reading. And there was a quote attributed to Adolf Hitler that basically said <laughs> that black people were the actual chosen people of God rather than Jews. 
which um, is, in fact, not accurate. And also something Hitler would, uh, you know, never say. Because everyone remembers him for hating Jews. He hated literally everyone who wasn't pure German. So, despite the fact that the quote is absolutely ridiculous and comes from a psycho conspiracy book, attributing anything to him in a positive light is not a great look for anyone, basically since, oh, about 1947. And his apology kind of sucked. The Eagles' statement on the matter also kind of sucked. But here we are. And I don't know if he knows that the book he was reading this from is um, conspiracy theory garbage. But nonetheless... Sharing a quote that you believe to be from Adolf Hitler, maybe not the best idea. I mean, Deshaun Jackson is absolutely insane. We all already know this to be true. But still, that is not the news I expected to wake up to today when I started scrolling through Twitter. I see a statement from the Eagles and I'm like, what the heck? Because I follow I follow a bunch of Philly reporters. So I, I saw them talking about this. It's like... Okay, what the heck? And I just go on Google, search Deshaun Jackson, and that story pops up. So I'm like, okay, this happened. 2020 is already so ridiculously weird. Let's get crazy. But that's not what I expected to wake up to today at all. The other big NFL news story that broke that, uh, is much bigger and kind of, despite the fact that it came out earlier, pretty quickly overshadowed the story about um, Deshaun Jackson posting a quote he believed to be from Adolf Hitler on his Instagram. Patrick Mahomes signed an absolutely fat contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. 10 years, it's an extension, so this is effectively a 12-year contract. This thing will expire when Patrick Mahomes is 36 years old. And with the incentives and everything, it is potentially worth $503 million. $477 million of which is guaranteed. There, there's some weird like contract language where it's basically a one-year... They call them guarantee mechanisms, which I think are brand new. I don't think I've ever heard of them before. They're essentially team options every single year for the life of the contract where if they don't cut him, he is guaranteed that money. So... This is an absolutely insane contract. It's going to wreck the chief salary cap in a couple years because it's backloaded. Like... It's super backloaded, as any good contract in the NFL should be, especially for a quarterback that you're signing in his mid-20s. He's 24, and he's getting a contract this fat. 
How often do people at 24 years old get 10-year contracts? Not very often. Like, who who normally gets the 10-year contracts? One, it's usually not football players. It's usually baseball players. And it's usually baseball players that are between 27 and their early 30s. And they're generally considered bad moves because, my God, the last, like, four, five, three to five years of that contract, depending on how old the guy is when you sign him to it, are going to be a disaster. But that is basically an amount of money that says, we expect you to be the next Tom Brady. And we are going to pay you like it right now. And, I mean, good for the Chiefs for locking him up. But my apologies to the Ravens, Texans, Cowboys, Bills, and possibly Broncos on the fact that you are going to have to, uh, you're going to have to open up the books for, uh, for your quarterbacks because there's no way Lamar Jackson isn't going to command a similar price. There's no way Deshaun Watson isn't going to command a similar price. If Josh Allen can get a little bit more accurate as a passer, there's no way he's going to get, he's not going to get something similar. And heck, Drew Locke has an outside shot to be ridiculously good. Like he showed flashes of insane talent last year. So like what's what's it gonna be? Like these teams are gonna have to this is going to destroy the quarterback market. Like Dak Prescott's been acting for ridiculous been asking for ridiculous amounts of money that most people don't believe he deserves. For a while now, like, what is this going to do to his contract? (laughs) Or, and I don't think Dak is on Lamar's level at all. I don't think he's even close. Like, not Lamar, uh, Mahomes. He's not on Lamar Jackson's level either. But Lamar Jackson is going to want that kind of money now. Deshaun Watson's definitely going to want that kind of money now. And Josh Allen and Drew Locke both, like I said, have outside shots to get that kind of money. This has wrecked the QB market. (laughs) And it's the ultimate uh, trade-off with quarterbacks. It's do you want to get paid or do you want to win? He's already won. And his contract is pretty backloaded. So he can probably win some more. And if he's as good as he's been so far, like he's doing insane things pretty early in his career. If he continues on this kind of trajectory, like that contract will probably have been well worth it. And obviously the NFL expects TV revenue to go up in a couple years because let's be honest, it probably will. It's the NFL. They can ask for whatever they want in terms of TV money and they will probably get it. Because they're the NFL and networks will kill each other to get that contract. Because if you don't have an NFL contract, you're screwed. I mean, look what happened to NBC at the beginnings of the 2000s. Early, early 2000s. When uh, when they lost their NFL contract. Dick Ebersole got desperate and the original XFL was born. 
That's how desperate networks are to have football. NBC lost the NFL rights, didn't get them back for several years. So they got so desperate, they turned to a man they didn't fully understand. (laughs) Yes, I did just compare Vince McMahon to Heath Ledger's Joker. And am I wrong? (laughs) I don't think I am. (laughs) But networks are going to kill each other for a piece of the NFL action. Sure, they'll they'll bicker over the NBA too. They'll kind of fight over baseball and, and the NHL. But I mean, networks will kill each other for a piece of the NFL. So TV revenue is going up. And obviously the Chiefs expect that. And with TV revenue going up, so does the salary cap. So they know, like, yeah, they knew what they were doing. This is going to be an insane cap hit in a couple years, unless the salary cap just skyrockets, which it very well could. But the fact that he is making more than Mike Trout, who is probably like across the four majors is the best athlete in his particular sport. Like if you just piled every athlete across the four majors together, Mike Trout is number one out of all of them. Like, I would say it's Mike Trout, Patrick Mahomes, LeBron James, and totally blanking on his name, Connor McDavid. Mike Trout is number one out of out of those four. Out of every professional athlete, Mike Trout is the best. And Patrick Mahomes is now making more than him. And we thought Mike Trout's contract was ridiculous when he signed it. But, I mean, athlete contracts are only going to go up. As TV revenue goes up, like, athlete contracts are only going to get bigger. And if you generate that much money, like, you should get paid like it. So, I'm not going to fault the guy. But the, the funniest part of this story is not the fact that this contract is just insane to me that He's 24 years old, and they basically just handed him $477 million. Is that some random Chiefs fan beat Adam Schefter to the story? That this random Chiefs fan, I'm guessing, works at like a liquor store or something, or works at a bar and has some connection to the chiefs where he would know who people in the organization are. And someone from the front office showed up and got six very expensive bottles of alcohol and said, there's going to be a big signing and it's not Chris Jones. So he knew Patrick Mahomes signed to a fat contract before even Adam Schefter did some random dude who sells alcohol scooped Adam Schefter. That is fans with sources right there. That's uh, that's bigger than uh, MLB memes breaking the story that the, the Dodgers were calling up one of their top-rated prospects before anyone else got it. And, uh, <laughs> and all these big-time reporters had to credit a meme account, a literal meme account, with breaking the story. That was a pinnacle day in baseball Twitter. That wasn't even that was a pinnacle day in football Twitter. 
But that's what I've got for the show today. Hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoyed your weekend. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And I will talk to you on Friday. See you then. I'll take my best shot